0: Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of Is It Worth It? Now, if this is your first time listening, we're a podcast that's kind of a subsidiary of the RPG podcast you normally listen to on this channel. Um, I don't always talk about RPGs. What I talk about are rare and or valuable games. I'll pull one down from the shelf. I'm a collector and So far, I've managed not to have to emulate any of these games. These are all games that I own myself. I pull it down, I pop it in, I play it, and then I let you guys know whether or not I think it would be worth owning at its current market price. Hi, I'm your host, Blaine J. And today, we are finally going to be talking about Panzer Dragoon Saga. Okay, so... This is an RPG, and as such, I had to ask Derek and Don whether or not it was okay for me to, you know, review this game. And of course, being the cool guys that they are, they were like, what are you talking about? Of course it's fine. It doesn't matter if we reviewed the game or we'll review it later. We're two separate shows. Who cares? Kind of made me feel like an idiot. No, I'm kidding. It was great. That is precisely the answer I thought they were going to give me. But again, I didn't want to step on any toes. So I finally get this game after... 20 years of looking. When I was a kid, I had a buddy that got this game at Toys R Us. I watched him play it. I was just chomping at the bit. I wanted the game, but I didn't own a Saturn and I was making something like $5.50 an hour at Walmart. Ugh. And then ever since then, I've wanted it and it has just slowly, slowly climbed up in price and very quickly initially, actually, which is what kept me from getting it you know, early on. Um, this game came out in 98. Putting me at 18 years old, uh, for the Sega Saturn, which is actually pretty late on the Saturn's life. Uh, PlayStation managed to uh, squeeze it out of the competition pretty early here in the U.S. It was a, you know, Saturn was a pretty big deal in Japan, but outside of there, it really didn't do a whole lot of stuff. Um, here, it was almost a novelty system, uh, definitely third tier behind the N64 and the monster that was the PlayStation of that era. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the storyline, because that's really the best part about an RPG, is the story. It's generally not the uh, gameplay that we're playing it for. So in this game, it's basically set in like a dystopian time where uh, men are against men, kind of think like uh, Mad Max, only not quite as, uh, oh, I don't know the word for it, not quite as bad. Um, it's pretty bad, though. Basically, thousands of years ago, uh, we were, like, ultra-advanced as human race. And um, we created these uh, creatures that we used as bioengineered weapons that we genetically altered to kind of fight our wars for us. Well, they kind of got smart, and they turned against us. And then they basically killed everybody. And there was, you know, humans were on the endangered species list. And we were kind of hiding in the four corners of the earth there and uh, not really able to uh, keep up with technology and stuff. We kind of reverted back to being uh, just, you know, simple humans as such. Anyway, um, a long time passed, as I said, and you run into present day. Well, these different factions started emerging, and one of these factions... Um, were known as the Imperials. And they found a weapon that they hoped could give them the edge against all these mutants that we had created. And this weapon was called the Tower. Now, the Imperials used this to find various weapons and stuff from the old days that kind of gave us an edge against these creatures. And, unfortunately, they went a step further and became very power-hungry and started using the weapons against the other factions of humans. So they were set on world domination, a la the Nazis. So not the best of people. Anyway, eventually the Empire, they created this academy to study ancient relics that the new capital, the the old capital, was destroyed in a previous game. It was named uh, Tato, and it was killed in this dragon encounter. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So they, at this academy, they completed the work on this ship, and the ship was called um, the Grig Ordig, and it was considered to be invincible, uh, kind of like the Titanic in that uh, regard. Anyway, uh, later, there was a, a, a part of the tower, there was this place known as the uh, Fourth Excavation Site, where they were pulling some of these weapons and things from. There was this young guy uh, named Edge, spoilers, that's you! Uh, you play the role of Edge. But anyway, we get this cutscene where he's sitting amongst a small group of men, and he's kind of bitching about his life, uh, guarding this not really overly known outpost known as the, uh, the Fourth ex- Excavation Site. And he's not too happy about it. He's kind of bitching to his friends and stuff, and his friend that he's talking to in particular is saying things like, well, you know, it's it's not for me to question, you know, I'm a soldier, they give me money to stand here and guard, and that's what I'm going to do, I don't need to know why we're doing it or whatever. Well, amongst his friends being there, there's also this guy um, that he considers to be his father, who also is the captain of this little squad, and uh, it's not actually his father, it's just a guy that kind of raised him from birth, and he's he's just a really good dude, so anyway, as he's bitching and stuff about this, this monster attacks from inside the site. And Edge is basically fearless, and he jumps right into the fray to, uh, to help save his friends. And after he's kind of dueling back and forth with this monster, his back is against the wall. He's got nowhere else to go. And the monster lashes out with one of these like whip-like claws, and Edge kind of ducks out of the way. And the claw hits the back wall, and the rocks fall away from um, this like crystalline substance. And within the crystals uh, is this beautiful girl. And Edge is suddenly just filled with light and these images of this girl. Well, his friends start yelling to him, "Hey, man, you know, snap out of it, dude! Uh, you got a monster coming at you!" And he kind of comes to realizes this monster is still on this narrow bridge coming at him um imagine if you will like a series of platforms and such like you'd see uh, on a construction site or something well that's basically you've got this deep dark abyss with all these um like lattices and stuff going every which way that these guys have built kind of almost haphazardly it looks like um to be able to get to these different sites within this giant hole aka excavation site known as the tower anyway this creature is on one of these um these lattices or whatever and it's coming at you and edge looks around him and he sees a damn uh rocket launcher (laughs) because you know people uh people leave those around but anyway he sees the rocket launcher and he grabs it up and um he blows the thing to kingdom come right after he does that he gathers up his buddies and the captain and um they're like, yeah, hey, you know, good job, guys. We, we, we really showed him kind of thing. And they kind of stumble back towards the doorway. Well, as soon as they enter the sunlight, boom, you hear a gunshot. And the captain falls to the ground. And, of course, Edge is more than a little stunned at this after having just gone through an ordeal of fighting monsters. Suddenly, his captain is dead, and he looks up, and it's Imperial soldiers. Now, that's weird because... He's an Imperial soldier. The captain was a Imperial soldier. They shouldn't be fighting themselves. and amongst these soldiers is this general, and he's kind of an evil, smarmy-looking bastard, and he's defiantly looking towards you, and your buddy that you were bitching about with earlier about the job uh, runs forward, and he's asking, you know, what the hell, man? We're on the same side. What's going on? Boom! That guy's shot and dead, too. So now Edge is obviously irate, but he's kind of standing there, uh, dumbfounded man he doesn't know what to think he just saw his best friend and his father killed in front of him and um, this general and the, the soldiers just kind of walk past him nonchalantly toward the excavation site and uh, when the general kind of turns his head towards him uh, knowingly and he says you saw her didn't you and edge is about to reply that you know Yes, or whatever, you know, I did see her or no. What are you talking about? You don't know. Because suddenly a, a butt of a gun comes out of nowhere and smacks him in the head and he's knocked out. But uh, you kind of you get the feeling of, okay, this girl was uncovered. All of a sudden, this general and everyone are here. Um, he probably is linked somehow to the girl or knows something about this girl. And now that she's been found and released that light... And he knew exactly what was going on. That's why he beelined here and was killing his own people to get to this girl. Anyway, meanwhile, far away, at the exact same time, um, an explosion disintegrates the capital city. And it destroys everything about the capital city. But the Emperor, luckily, wasn't in the city. He was flying in the Invincible Orig that we mentioned earlier. But he sees this chaos from afar at the excavation site. And he knows suddenly, he says, "Krayman." And Krayman is the name of this general. And the Emperor knows instantly that Krayman, for some reason, um, found out something and he's turned against him. And uh, Krayman, you learn in this little bit, commands what is known as the Black Fleet. And he's turned this Black Fleet against the Empire. Now, why did he do this? Well, we're thinking it has something to do with this chicka this time edge awakes and he sees the that the black ships are all flying away but towed behind them is this uh, girl encapsulated in ice or or crystal or whatever it is it looks to be like crystal And uh, she's just kind of swinging from a couple of wires uh, dangling behind one of the ships. And Edge is running after her because for some reason he instantly is infatuated or feels a link towards this girl and he feels like he has to protect her. And uh, as he's running, he's stopped by the guy that killed uh, your friends and your your father. And uh, he shoots at Edge and it hits Edge and it knocks him off into the abyss. And Edge falls into the darkness and is swallowed up by that. But then he wakes up, and he's floating in a pool of water. And not only is he still alive, he's seemingly completely unhurt, as though nothing had happened. And you don't know how he survived the gunshot and the long fall. Uh, or, you know, why the general and that mysterious girl... Uh, why did the, why the general wanted that mysterious girl so much that he was willing to murder, you know, in, innocent people. But... Um, those things get answered to you as you play the game and i feel like much like uh game of thrones or harry potter or any of the things in the past that got spoiled for me that were you know twists and i won't i won't spoil those things either even though it's been you know a decade or more on some of that stuff um When you have a big twist like at the end of Harry Potter or Game of Thrones where one of the main characters may uh, pass away or whatever like that and it's ruined for you, it literally ruins the entire experience and I don't want to do that to you guys. So that's about the extent that I'm going to tell you the storyline. I will say that he does, uh, kind of after he blinks away, he he climbs to shore and um, some of these creatures come forward and... He starts running away from them because he, he has no, you know, recourse against them. And he sees a, a relic on the ground, one of these relics that they're collecting, and it's a gun. So he grabs the gun up and he turns to face these guys, these enemies. And he, uh, he fires. Click. Nothing happens. Tries a few more times. Click, click, click. Nothing. And he's kind of got his hands in front of him in kind of a stance like, Okay, here, here it is. I'm going to... This is the big one. Uh, I'm coming to see you, Elizabeth, kind of thing. And out of nowhere, these shots of, like, fire and lightning hit all these creatures that are surrounding him. They all just go, boom! And they're they're gone, man. Well, flying behind him, he turns to see a dragon. And this dragon is seemingly, like, not, not just his friend, but companion instantly, just willing to be, you know uh, ridden by this guy and he kind of reluct- not reluctantly, uh, um, slowly, uh, reaches out and pets it and then climbs on its back and flies the damn thing out of the abyss. And that's where your adventure starts. Now, why is the dragon, you know, um, obeying you? Why is it friendly towards you? We don't know yet. I'm not going to spoil it. That's what you get on that. Um, as far as the gameplay goes, I will talk in depth about the gameplay. Um, now, if you've ever played, say, a Super Mario World, or, oh, I'm trying to think of another game that does this, where you have, like, an overhead, uh, map where you can, once you visit an area, you can instantly go back to that area once you get to the overhead map. It plays like that. So, um, once you clear an area, you can go back and look for secrets or treasures or whatever, and, um... You know, maybe even fight secret bosses or something um, later in the game. But you can, like, once you've unlocked it, you can go back to it at any time. No matter how far you progress, you don't have to go, you know, through, like, all the different areas. So that's nice um, because that wasn't something that was of the norm in this era, era, actually. A lot of old RPGs um, made you do just that. You had to walk through uh, areas that you'd already completed again if you wanted to backtrack um now this game does feature excuse me there's a uh, cop car apparently one of my crackhead neighbors has done something um i don't know to leave this in or not it's kind of flavorful uh at least we have police i suppose Oh well, i was wrong it was an ambulance well i pray that that person is okay anyway um to resume uh this game does actually feature save features um, from like campsites. So unlike the modern games that you know save as you enter a new area or every five minutes or whatever, and it kind of makes it impossible to lose your save data. This is one of those games where you have to save in a specific place, and they're known as campsites, and that can kind of be a bummer. But while you're at the campsite, um, you can talk to any companions that you have, and in the morning, uh, you get prompted: uh, Do you want to uh, pet your dragon, smile at him? Um, do nothing, so on and so forth, well, depending on how you treat your dragon, if you're nice to him X amount of times in a row, it unlocks a special ability, and uh, those these abilities are called revenges, I believe, I think they're called revenges, and um, these are abilities that are basically your magic abilities that you can use, um, you have your basic attack, With well, let me explain this first, you have your basic attack with each, your dragon has a basic attack of throwing Uh, fireballs and lightning and such at multiple enemies. Now, it doesn't do a whole lot of damage, but it does damage to a lot of targets. And then the main character has this gun, which is now working, and it can fire a single shot to a single target for quite a bit of damage. Now, um, you have these things called revenges um, that take up a little bit more of your meter and some magic points, I believe, as well. Um, But in order, like, okay, if 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 you've played Final Fantasy uh, anything, really, you know you have a meter that kind of slowly fills up, and then once it's full, you're able to execute whatever it is, your magic attack, your attack, what have you. Well, in this game, you have three meters. And when one fills up, you can do simple tasks, um, like an attack or whatever. But when two or three fills up, you can do more devastating attacks, like... Um, uh, your revenges and what have you also if you manage to fill up all three you get bonuses I believe to like defense and healing and different things like that I actually didn't really play the game that way I just kind of boss hogged my way through things because uh, that's more of my game play method or whatever but this game does have a very tactical feel to it and you can you can do a lot in that regard now it does have a uh an active time battle system where, you know, when you're flying around, um, in the, the, uh, the levels and such, you can, you know, it's actually got a full 360 degrees that you can turn and you can go up and down and stuff. It's very innovative at the time. You got to remember this game is 20 years old. Actually, I think it's over 20 years old or no, it's just about 20 years old. Excuse me. Um, and, uh, As such, you know, games like this weren't really out at the time. You had, like, Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, and such. But um, nothing, you know, RPG, like, super big RPG like this even came close to these levels of 3D. And they're still pretty impressive today. And, um as such you know you're flying on the back of your dragon all the battles that occur in the game occur while you're on your dragon there are scenes in which edge will jump off and explore like maybe a cavern or a town or something on foot but you won't get into any battles during this time only on the back of your dragon while flying and because of that 99 percent of the battles um, that you fight the enemies are flying as well sometimes it'll be you know a, a whole bunch of locusts or something like that or it'll be like one big monster. Sometimes the boss battles, the enemy will be on the ground, but they'll be so huge that um, you'll be, you know, flying around it. And I do mean that in the literal sense. When you're in an actual battle, the enemy will be generally centrally located and your dragon will be like flanking it to its side or something. Well, you can use the directional pad to fly around the enemy quite literally you can fly to different vantage points on the enemy and the whole viewing of the enemy will change you can like fly in front of it and then it'll, you'll see your dragon flying in front of it and it tailing you and maybe you'll be able to attack it from its front a lot easier in that way or maybe you fly behind it and its back side is uh, the weaker point or maybe it's underbelly or whatever is the weak point and the way you can kind of figure out how it's weak isn't intuitive, like or, or in, in many video games, like in this situation, uh, the weak point of the enemy will be like maybe a flashing red ball or whatever, you know, it's like blatantly obvious. And there are times in this game where they will uh, implement that as well. But more often than not, instead of showing like a flashing icon indicating, hey, dummy, this is what you should be firing at, They'll indicate it through, like, okay, you're fighting this enemy that has an armored front end. It's, like, very obviously armored. Uh, Maybe attacking it from the front isn't the best idea, but that underbelly looks awful soft and pink. Maybe I can poke on that, you know. So you can figure it out that way. And another good way to figure out what's the weak point on these enemies is to shoot it with your dragon's... um, lightning and fire attack because you can lock on to multiple targets with it even on the same enemy you can maybe hit both arms its head its legs or whatever um depending on the size of the enemy you can lock on to individual things like eyes and stuff like that as well and it'll shoot all of them at once and then you just kind of see okay when the damage pops up um which one was more and you'll see oh it's taking a lot of damage when i hit it in that you know that old noggin Uh, maybe i need to centrally attack the noggin instead of you know messing with all these other parts and you know they they incorporate it in some ways too like maybe one arm will heal the enemy and you have to take out that first or whatever you know neat stuff like that and of course you have weak spots as well where um the enemies will try and fly around you and exploit those sometimes too so you got to watch for that um now once you progress in the game far enough you'll unlock the ability to uh To change your dragon's form. Now you start off with a pretty basic looking dragon. It's pretty badass. I mean it's a fucking dragon. But there are cooler, neater dragons that you can unlock. Um, Like if you put all of your attributes into the speed. um, It'll detract from other things like strength and defense. But you'll have this wicked fast dragon, and its appearance will match that of what your statistics are, and you'll gain different abilities based on that as well. So as you progress, you unlock these different dragons that you can make, and they unlock different things. And there are actually two secret dragons that you can unlock as well that are uh, really super awesome, and I won't spoil that for you, but um, they are definitely very, very hard to get. Um... And you can, on the fly, now don't don't think that, okay, I want to be a defensive dragon, and well, now I have to play defensively the entirety of the game. No, you can, at any time, switch between these different dragons and uh, stats. I don't think you can do it mid-battle, but in between battles. So if you know, like, you save at a save point, and you know that in the next battle, this enemy is particularly weak to a fast dragon, or maybe he's got a tremendous defense so you need a tremendous offense whatever um you can change strategies up that way to be able to attack the enemies in different ways to uh, you know best do that and that's just really super cool and plus it just it, it adds a flavor of like being able to fly on a different dragon that you know instead of seeing the same sprite throughout the game you can, you know, change that up and get different abilities as well. Just super cool and almost endless playtime value right there. Um, I, I'm trying to think of what else I can tell you about this game without really spoiling it. Um, it's, it's fucking great. <laughs> um, if you like RPGs of this era, and basically this came out, like I said, uh, I said 98. So right at the ass end of the Super Nintendo era the N64 era, um, the early PlayStation era. I mean, if you like games from that era, this is one of the best games. This is right up there with uh, Chrono Trigger. This is up there with Final Fantasy VII. Um, I would put this game, you know, now nostalgia will probably prompt some of you to say, well, wait a minute, you know, I played those as a kid and they're the best games ever made. Go back and play Final Fantasy VII. Go back and play Chrono Trigger. They are very, very fucking good games. Don't get me wrong. I love them. Um, they're not as good as you remember. They're just not. Final Fantasy Seven is actually kind of hot trash. Uh, I will probably get some emails about that. But you go back and play it, and you're playing fucking these blocky, shit-looking figures. The storyline's good. The gameplay's amazing. But graphically, the game does not at all hold up. And the translation was kind of wonky too, so I'm definitely looking forward to the uh, the reboot that they're going to be doing soon, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Panther Dragon Saga, next to Final Fantasy Seven looks, it's just night and day better, and it's on the fucking Saturn, which is not a 3D powerhouse at all, but the 3D of this game blows almost everything that the original PlayStation had right out of the fucking water. I don't care who you are, I will make that argument. Panzer Dragon Saga looks better than Mario 64. It looks better than Ocarina of Time. Visually, just a beautiful game. The soundtrack on this game, the music, is unreal. It's just superb. The spoken dialogue in the game, instead, the, the voice acting is second to none. You can tell that the guys doing the voice acting really know what they're doing. What you can't tell is what the fuck they're saying. And that's brilliant. Um, I believe they're actually speaking Japanese through half of the game. But they they translated the words, but not the actual voice acting. And that kind of adds an element of realism. You know, if they were sitting here speaking English, but looked very Japanese, it, it would be hard for me to buy it. You know? it It's like watching anime when it's clearly... They even say they're in Japan and yet they're all the kids are speaking English and sound like they're from California. You know, it doesn't make much sense. After you get used to it, it's kinda like, okay, whatever. This game doesn't do that. They did it right. It's brilliant. Um, everything about this game is good, except for the price uh, the price point. Uh <laughs> this game loose will run you about $150 for a single disc. <laughs> This game is four discs long. Uh, so, yeah, you add that up, you get about $600. That's what you're going to pay for a copy of Panzer Dragon Saga, a full copy. Um, I didn't pay that. I paid considerably fucking less, thank God. I found this immaculate copy at Superbitcon earlier in the year. I traded uh, Zomination, um, Wayne's World, I believe, uh, a bunch of Magic cards, towards it, and I got it for $400 in trade, and the thing is immaculate. It comes with all the original inserts that it had. All the discs are still pristine in the original holders. The manual looks like it'd never been opened. The game looked like it'd never been played. Ah, I I couldn't believe I found it. I've been looking for this stupid thing for nearly 20 years, and I finally have it. Um, Tremendous game. Unfortunately, I didn't get all the way through the game. Um, part of it's because of uh, just my ultra-busy life. I work, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. It's it's kind of hard to get into an RPG that's going to take me 70, 80 hours to play. Unfortunately, this month, uh, something happened that uh, I'd be remiss not to talk about a little bit. Um, the man that uh, that basically raised me, my captain, if you will... Uh, my father, although he wasn't biologically my father, uh, he, he passed away. Um, he was, he was my best friend. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, kind of a, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of dark. We had, we'd kind of lost touch a little bit, but, um, I remember playing as a kid, you know, games with him. Uh, I have this story that I guess I'll share. You know, when I, when I was first introduced into video gaming, um, my real father had an Atari, and I used to play, like, Frogger and, uh, I don't know, you know, whatever crappy Atari games, Centipede and the like on there. And, you know, there it was fine. It was fine. And uh, then my dad, he bought me a, uh, a Nintendo. My real father bought me a Nintendo and sent it. To me and at uh, this time i was being raised by my stepfather and i was probably seven or so and i didn't uh i didn't care to even play it right and in fact my father was a pretty outdoorsy guy he he was a, a pilot and a sailor and and all this stuff so i was always you know out fishing with him and things like this and uh then a year or so had passed and we was went to visit my grandmother and i would fish under her pond Every day, I was out there at the crack of dawn fishing with my dad. And then one day, it was piss pouring. You know, we were on vacation. It was probably the third or fourth day in. And we had to go in. And my cousin David, he said, Well, you know, since it's raining, why don't we play some Nintendo? And I went, Oh, great. And I figured it was like the Atari. And the first game I played was Contra. And then I played Super, um, or not Super, but Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. And my dad peeks his head in and well what what's that? I said, Well this is uh this is the Nintendo and we played Mario Brothers and Contra and Punch Out all day together, you know. And then the first thing we did the next morning when it was sunny is uh, is play the Nintendo. We didn't go back outside and and play uh play around with fish and trying to catch some fish we we just played the Nintendo and then the first thing we did when we got home was pull the Nintendo that had been sitting in the closet out hook it up and then it became a regular thing for him and I to try and best each other's score on the original Mario Brothers or to to play a game of RBA baseball or RBI baseball excuse me and uh, and I'll always remember uh, that you know it was it was really playing with him uh, early on that got got me to love video games as much as I do, so uh, he will be missed, he, he died uh, of old age, he was 77, you know, so uh, anyway, it was it was a tough month, and uh, as a result, I, I wasn't able to get you guys the um, quite the podcast that I wanted to on this game, but I have been promising to do a podcast on it for a while, so this is what you get and whatever, I'm sorry, but uh, I miss you dad, I love you and all that. Now, sorry to be a downer, let's bring it back up a bit. I did get some emails regarding the show. Um, First and foremost, our good buddy James wrote in once again and uh, complimented me once again. Uh, He's he's a good dude. But he also mentioned that the sound quality of the show is leaving much to be desired, and he's right. Uh, I re-listened to the show, they sound great on, I've got a pair of headphones my wife bought me that are literally hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And um, I sound great on those motherfuckers. When I listen to it in my car, <laughs> it's not quite as good. I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, especially his his problem was the music was kind of uh, overshadowing my words and making it difficult difficult for him to understand what I was saying. So... He's right. I'm going to work on that. Uh, Part of the problem, I believe, is the last couple of episodes, um, I didn't spend as much time editing them as I had in the past and filtering out some of the white noise. Also, because it's hotter, I've been running fans. Right now, I'm sitting in about 98 degrees, just uh, sweating my balls off recording this thing because I don't want to run any fans and get any outside interference like we had the, uh, the ambulance that rolled by earlier, but... I don't want that fan running in the background so you guys hear, like, a a dull roar, you know, the entirety of the time. So, anyway, my sacrifices for you. Also, um, got an email from another podcast that uh, I'm a big fan of. They're called The RPG Show. Now, these guys haven't been around a whole long time, and I guess you could kind of say they compete with our show, but we're not really in competition. I think we're all more or less in this thing together, and we should be supporting each other. And as such, I'm going to say I, I like these guys a lot. Uh, I had some vacation time earlier in the month that I took, and I spent the time uh, working on some uh, furniture in my garage, and I'd run out of podcasts to listen to, uh, of the ones that you know I actually regularly listen to. And I was like, well, I'll give this RPG show that just came out a chance, and I listened to one episode, and I, was, I loved it. I immediately downloaded what they had and listened, binge listened to them as I was working on this furniture, and I've since listened to most episodes again. Actually, um, they're quite good. They've got good banter. They have some minor sound issues that they are working on. He's got all new equipment coming in, so when when you listen to those first episodes and you hear the sound quality, know that it's going to get better very quickly. And they review um, RPGs much like Derek and Don do. In fact, uh, they recently did Shining Force 2, which is the newest uh, Derek and Don episode as well. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of overlap there. And these guys are great. And they, ironically, are fans of our show, of Derek and Don's and mine. So, give those guys a listen. It's very likely that sometime in the near future, either um, one of them, probably, I believe his name is Brent, or myself will be a guest on the other's podcast. Uh, we haven't quite worked it out. They gave me an invite to be on their podcast. If possible, I might have one of them be on mine. I don't know. I don't know, but they're good guys. Give those dudes a listen. Um, if you like this show, if you like the you know retro RPG, check those guys out they're called the RPG show you can't miss them um, let's see seems like there was something else i wanted to discuss here but uh, i really just cannot think of it um, thanks for listening guys you can reach me as al- at always as always at um at outlook.com that's simon not simon all one word You can reach me at, uh, well, I have a YouTube channel called The Retro Generation. Uh, If you type in the Retro Kids 1000 or just D A R E, T-R-O, retro, yeah. Um, Duh retro, just on Google, I'm like the first thing that comes up. You can check out my channel there. I actually haven't made any videos in about three months. Um, lazy, whatever. I, call it whatever you want. I'm just a very busy guy. I don't really have time to uh, do a whole lot. And I really want to invest in a much nicer camera before I start making videos again. But I do uh, gaming-related stuff on there, and I do do um, Magic the Gathering-related stuff as well. So check me out there. You can check me out on Twitter. I'm linked to um, the Retro RPG uh, Twitter handle um, under Kel. You can find me under their followers, at um, RetroKel, K-H-E-L, with a space in between Retro and Kel, I believe. And uh, da, da, da. you can check out my, uh, page, the retro kids 1000 on Facebook. It's kind of a page where I talk about just video games in general, or just comedic satire stuff, promote stuff that I'm doing, whatever. Drop me a line there too. So I'm, I'm readily available if you want to make fun of me or <laughs> whatever. Um, thanks for listening guys. Thanks for listening to me kind of half cry about, uh, that you know what's going on in my life and stuff it's actually kind of kind of nice to vent to uh invisible people out there so thanks again and we'll see you next time